Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, it's great to be here on a Sunday morning. So glad to be able to see all of you, um, both in person and greetings to everybody online. One thing that my kids have asked for over the years uh, for their Christmas present is a dog. And we got one last year, not for Christmas, but for the pandemic. So, hey, a wish fulfilled, and they gift keeps on giving. Yes. So um, we are on the third and final week of our series, Life in the In-Between. We're talking about change and loss and hope. We're talking about all these different dynamics in the spiritual life. And I'm happy to talk to you today about the topic of hope and how that's going to be evolving for us in these very difficult and awkward times. Uh, Let's see if this works. Okay, cool. Hey, so um, this is a little different for me, preaching through this new mask. I just got it yesterday. It was meant for jogging, so it's supposed to be more breathable, but I am finding that I'm sucking wind through it, so you can hear it in the microphone. So anyhow, hope that doesn't distract you too much. Um, it's distracting me just a minor bit. We'll get through this. So um, this past summer, I went to Yellowstone National Park along with my family, my extended family, and we, were, we did a lot of driving. From our cabin to the park, it was about a three-hour drive. And on the way back from this gorgeous national park, which was just amazing, my brother and my sister-in-law decided to take a little bit of an advanced route home. They took an advanced route to go take care of some things. And uh, on their way home, they had to go through a mountain pass that had no cell phone coverage, no radio coverage, Um, and it was just two lanes. As they were going, the cars started slowing down. More cars started slowing down, and eventually they ground to a complete stop. And as they waited on this mountain pass, they had no idea what was going on. And so they waited. They waited patiently. They waited longer and longer. People started turning off their cars and their trucks, And they kept on waiting and waiting and waiting. People started getting out of their cars and trucks and walking around. And they waited and they waited and waited some more. And they got out of their car and started greeting their neighbors. For a total of two hours, they were on this mountain road. Now, because they didn't have any cell phone service or radio coverage, they didn't know what we knew because we went a different route because we heard the news. And the news was there was a soda truck that had earlier that day crashed on that mountain pass and was teetering over the edge of the cliffs. And soda was everywhere. The truck was blocking the lanes, and they had spent hours trying to get this truck out of the way. They didn't know, and this, my friends, well, that's not actually a picture of it. That's a pretty close picture of it, but this is life in the in-between. This is what we've been talking about. It's that awkward stage that we find ourselves in, that metaphorical car ride that we're all on. We're trying to get to point B, but we can't. And for some reason, we're stuck. We're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting We're looking for things to clear up, but they haven't cleared up. This is the messy in-between. And how do we maintain a posture before God 
of hopefulness during these times. We're going to talk more about that today. We're going to look back at our core anchor scripture for this series, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. We'll talk about the hope God gives us, and then we'll be talking about receiving God's hope at the end of today. But let's dive, first of all, right into scripture and receive from the Lord what he wants to teach us through this passage once again. So in case you're new and you're with us for the first time, this is the way that we've been talking about these times. We take um, some scripture, we try and wrap it through a series, and we're trying to mine it for all the depth that we can. And there are some real gems in this passage. Just reminding you again, once again, therefore, we do not lose heart. Paul is talking to the early Corinthian church, and he is saying this, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. The first observation I want to make with this passage is, is very teaching. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why? Why is that the case? Why was Paul telling the early Corinthians that they didn't have to lose heart? And in turn, why do we not lose heart as Christians in our world today? Well, rewinding the story just a little bit, if you remember, back in the early church, the Christians were going through a very difficult time. Paul describes them as being persecuted, hard-pressed, struck down, all of these things were happening. Christians were having their livelihoods stripped away from them. They were going through very difficult physical, emotional, and social challenges. The people around them, the world around them, hated the church. And what's it like to walk through life and be hated all the time? This is what they were going through. And in the midst of this, Paul describes the early Christians as jars of clay. Now, if you were to pick a first century object to kind of describe your life, a jar of clay would not be high on your list. Why is that? Because jars of clay were temporary, they were fragile, they broke, they were only used for a temporary purpose, namely to house some kind of goods in your house for a short time, but if you dropped that thing, if it bumped the wall too hard, it would crack and be useless. But they were cheap. So no one really fixed them. They just got another clay pot. And Paul was using this as a metaphor for their lives. Here, though, is the glory. Here is why we do not lose heart. Paul goes on to say that while the world sees us, human beings, as weak and disposable and sees the church in this fashion, God sees us as worthy of his glory. He sees us as worthy of treasure, of something valuable, of something really important. Later on, Paul goes on to describe this in the next chapter of 2 Corinthians I'll just fast forward it to there. And then I'm also going to quote our theme verse for this year. It talks about the same dynamic. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The living power of God is within them. There is a new life energy flowing within our souls. And that is worthy of hope and goodness. That is why the early church should not lose hope. That is why we do not lose that today. 2 Timothy verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Friends, this is the glory of God pressed down upon us, given to these jars of clay. And while on the outside, and while the surface looks fragile and weak and disposable and maybe worthless, God sees a vessel worthy of his glory. That's who we are as a church. We are the living embodiment of God's glory here on earth. It is given to us as life. So, that's the first verse. Let me go into some more details of our anchor passage now. Verses 17 and 18. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is this talking about? Jesus calls us to see the eternal. Now, I know, sometimes people say Scripture is rather confusing. Because sometimes it just doesn't seem to make sense, right? I mean, Jesus sometimes says some really cryptic things. And Paul right here is asking people to fix your eyes on what is unseen. Yeah, so like, how do you do that? <laughs> I fix my eyes on what I can see. I fix my eyes and I look at things that are visible to my eyes. So how in the world do I fix my eyes on what is unseen? See, what Paul is talking about here is the dynamic of focus. And what you focus on doesn't have to be physical. It can be immaterial. What you focus on is what you're going to see. And this is what Jesus called his disciples to do over and over again in the Gospels. Instead of seeing people just as plain as everyone else saw them, he asked them to see a tax collector not as an evil person, but as a son of Abraham. Not just a prostitute who has come to wash his feet, but a child of God. God, through Jesus, has called us over and over again to look at things in a completely different way. Now, I want to sort of... Um, focus on the hope that is specifically given to us by God in this passage. And moving from the passage itself to talk about the dynamic of hope and how we can receive it. First of all, it's often helpful to make a distinction between faith and hope. And often in these discussions, it's, it's helpful to 
to know that when we talk about faith, we're talking about trusting in a person or a thing or something, right? That's how we use faith. I am trusting in you. I, I, am, I have my faith in you that you're going to get this done or I'm trusting in Jesus Christ for my life and for my, my future. Hope is faith-focused. Hope is about a specific outcome of the future. And when we talk about hope, we can talk about things like, well, I hope you have a great week of school. I hope you don't get sick. I hope you get better from your cold. I hope that the fall will have less COVID, right? Things that we can hope for are always specific in nature. And that is what God is calling us to. When we talk about the hope of God, we're talking about specific things that God is asking us to focus our attention on to change the way that we live. This is the hope of God. Now, life in the in-between is super messy. We've already kind of established that. It's about being interrupted. It's having a change, a change in our plans. It's not going the way that we hoped. And we've had to do that over and over again over the last year and a half. Life in the in-between is always about a loss of hope. That has happened to you. It's happened to me. It happened to my brother and sister-in-law because they wanted to get home early and they didn't get home until late night on that mountain road. It happened with this fall as we're hoping to resume classes and school the way without COVID, without masks, and hey, look what happened. Life in the in-between is about a loss of hope. And one of the things that we need to learn in these seasons of loss is to ask God a new set of questions. How do you want me to live right now, God? How do you want me to hope? And does my hope need adjustment? Does my hope need to change? In the Hebrew Scriptures, there was a time when the people of God were set free, a time of liberation, when they came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery and oppression, out of the land of death. And it was a really interesting time because as they were set free and they went into the wilderness adventure to follow God into a promised land full of milk and honey and good things and a new life with God, something became very apparent. You see, while they were physically liberated from oppression, their hopes were still in the wrong things. Their hopes were still false. They wanted to worship God, so they created a golden calf. And it was revealed that their desire to meet with God was all kind of strangely mixed up with the world around them. It wasn't that calf that liberated them from Egypt. It was God. And when they were hungry, they began to fantasize about life in Egypt. Oh, it was so much better. We had all this meat and barbecue, and it was awesome. It was not awesome. They were oppressed. They were losing their children. The Pharaoh had killed off a generation of children to limit their population. And they couldn't think about that. They didn't remember that. All that they could think about was their need for food. 
See, not only was the Exodus a time of liberation, but it was a time when false hopes were exposed. This is an interesting dynamic that happens to us. And while very unpleasant, very difficult to live through loss of hope, it is important in the spiritual life. T.S. Eliot writes about it this way. I'm not given to quoting from poetry, but I heard this last week, and I said, man, this, this nails it. I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Wait without love, for love would be love of the wrong thing. There is yet faith, but the faith and the love and the hope are all in the waiting. What Elliot helps us to realize is that waiting periods, life in the in-between, has a redemptive purpose. It has a way of exposing false hopes and moving us toward what is real. Real hope, real love, real faith. And this, my friends, is a valuable time for us to be examining our hearts and our minds to see where they're going. Years ago, I read this book by Amy Tan. You may have heard of it. It's called The Joy Luck Club. It's about several generations of Asian women as they're growing up in a time when East meets West. Very difficult time for them. And there's a story in particular in The Joy Luck Club of a girl named An May. She was growing up, and a woman in her household, which was, who was a little bit treacherous and deceitful, gave her a pearl necklace. It was a gift that her mom never gave her. So this was precious. This seemed like a very good thing. It seemed like it was winning on May's affections over. But one day, her mom noticed this, took the pearl necklace, took a pearl out, and stepped on it. And to her horror, Anme was, what are you doing? The pearl was crushed into dust. It was a fake pearl necklace, nothing than a cheap gimmick. What her mom did for her was one of the most loving things that a parent could do. Expose a false hope. Expose a lie for what it was. She almost had her affections latch on to someone false over a fake set of pearls. What 2 Corinthians is telling us is this. We don't want to place our hope and our faith in the wrong thing. God has given you and he has given me a treasure far beyond the treasures of this world, far more valuable than we could ever imagine. The treasure of God, His presence, His life within us, and this deep life that flows within you and within me, that's worth everything. That is treasure, my folks. And that is what Paul wants you to focus on. That is why we do not lose hope in these times. We have this treasure. And what more... This is only the appetizer. The best times that you've had with God here on earth, 
the best quiet times, the best retreats, the best worship moments, they're just the appetizer. God has a hope for you, a future, a redemption. It is spoken of by Jesus as the kingdom of God in its fullness. It is eternity. It is paradise. And so in this last section, what I want to do is help us to focus on this hope. Oops, I forgot this slide. God doesn't want us to trust in the false treasures of this world. Instead, he has planted his treasure inside of you. A powerful new life is sign and foretaste of the great hope that is to come. Amen? Let's get into this. I want us to receive now the hope of God. I'd like to offer three images found in Scripture that talk about this hope. Three images that I hope will make a difference in the way you envision this promise from God. These are different in their wording because I think the reality of what God is wanting to paint for us in Scripture is far beyond what our imaginations can totally receive in this world. So Jesus and Paul and the prophets of old have used all kinds of metaphors to describe this. And the first is the metaphor of the feast. Friends, this is the future God has for you. Heaven will be a feast. Matthew 8, chapter 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11. There was a time when this... Um, Roman centurion, a man who was used to, was put in the role of oppressing the Jews in that first century, showed great faith in Jesus. And Jesus was amazed. And when he described it, he goes on to say this. When Jesus heard this, this centurion speaking of this great faith, he was amazed and he said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you, many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Friends, the future will be a feast. And what he's meaning by east and west is it's not going to be just a place for the Jewish people. It will be a place where all nations gather to dine and to enjoy this wonderful time with God. I don't know. This is probably the one that speaks the most to me, but I love it, the feast. Secondly, we can talk about the great healing of God. In Revelation, John, the Apostle John, describes what will happen in the future. As he's given these visions from God, this is heaven, folks. It will be the great healing. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Now catch this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has
has passed away. Gosh, I love this. It's not saying in Scripture that crying or mourning or tears are bad, but it is saying that God in His love and His mercy will be there for each of us, for all the sorrow that we've experienced, for all the sadness and the loss. God Himself will be the great healer in our lives. And finally this. Jesus describes the future as paradise. Paradise. When Jesus was on the cross, when he was about to die for the sins of the world, there were thieves crucified next to him, one condemning him, one placing faith in him. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. A mocking word. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what we, our deeds deserve. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today, I try to give three images that Scripture tries to offer to you about what this future with God will be like. It's going to be a feast. It'll be a time of great healing with God. And it's going to be a paradise. The tragedy is some of us have begun to think that this is a time here and now that we have to create paradise here on earth for ourselves. It's never going to be perfect, friends. It's never going to be like that. Jesus has always pointed us to a grander future. And today, as we close up, I want to offer a time of prayer. And some of you may be feeling like you've been discouraged because you've been waiting without hope. You've been feeling like this is a dark time. This is a struggle. And you're not sure how you will navigate the next few weeks or the next few months because the pressure on your heart and your soul has been pretty heavy. And you're not sure how God wants you to think about the next steps. We're in this boat together, friends. If you're feeling like that this morning, I'm going to ask you just to simply raise your hand you don't have to do it to impress others. Actually, maybe if right now would be a good time to kind of bow your heads and to spend a moment with the Lord. And if you are feeling and sensing that you want this refreshment from God to renew your hope, to renew your faith, to renew your vision and your soul, simply just raise your hand. 
I'm not counting. We're not doing this. To, you're not going to be asked to stand up or anything. Don't worry. This is just you and the Lord. God sees. Amen. refreshed and renewed. Amen. I have a prayer written out here. For those of you who raise your hands or desire this renewal from the Lord, pray this with your hands open. Say this to God yourself. Ask the Lord to renew your hope today. Friends, I'd like to offer a prayer for you. Let's pray as we wrap things up for the series. God, in weakness, we come before you, and I just pray and ask for your Holy Spirit to refresh, renew, to blow out the dust, to blow out the, the false hopes of this world that have taken residence within our souls. Refresh us and renew us with your hope, of a future hope, with you, as our great healer, as our great provider who will give us a feast, as a God who will take us into paradise. We place our trust in you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, friends. It's been a fun series that we got to do together. Um, glad to be here with you. As we go from this place, here is our sending prayer. I'm going to ask that we stand together. And let's say this as we go. Loving God through all our years. Let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it. Where we envision peace and work to build it. Where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, or we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen. Hey, as you head out today, there may be a few of you who want to spend a few more minutes with God in prayer. Feel free to do that. Just sit back in your seats and just take the time to be with the Lord. Uh, for the rest of us, we're going to be heading on out. We'd love to meet some of you who may be new or first time here. A uh, chance to meet with the staff and to fill out some of our newcomer cards so that you can get connected with us here at Access. Till then, I'll see you next time. God bless.